Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I just realized that my sweater says Sunday, and this is going up on a Tuesday. Lazy Sundays. Uh, Well, podcast Sundays. Roll the intro. Hey guys, welcome back to Wild Till 9, our weekly podcast hosted by myself, Lord DIY, and my boyfriend, Dermer. That's me. <laughs> Dermer. That's me. <laughs> Just sounds. My favorite part of every um, review, press, synopsis ever. Uh-huh. It's just like, and boyfriend. Oh yeah, hosted by Lauren Riamaki, Lord DIY, and boyfriend. No, no, no. L- Lauren Riamaki, Lord DIY, 14 times champion of this, 43 billion views of this. <laughs> This, 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 accomplished this, accomplished <laughs> multi-continental international superstar and her boyfriend. <laughs> and boyfriend. Jeremy. I mean, it could be worse. No, yeah, it could. It, it could definitely be worse, yeah. I mean, so yeah, and boyfriend. So welcome, and boyfriend. I could not be dating you, which would be that's That sounds so horrific. Horrific. Worse. Yeah, uh-huh. Hundred percent. Um. Anyways, uh, stop, drop, roll, rate the podcast, subscribe, and follow on your plat, 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 platform of choice. Pod, platform of choice. Your podcast streaming platform of choice. Um. So we just want to make a quick disclaimer before we hop into this episode. If you're here for uh conversations around uh dick sex uh gray sweatpants ween um Jeremy being a fuck boy. 
we need you to head on back to the other episodes if you're not fully caught up or set an alarm for next week's episode because um not that this is like a serious well i guess it is kind of serious i mean it's this not is, not serious it's not not serious uh conversation around mental health so welcome so welcome to the mental health episode i'm just like eating all my words today no no, no. you're you're eloquent as always my love. yeah this is a good start for me for sure um so a yeah whole, a whole skew of great things come um, out of that mouth of yours i don't slew skew I, I wish you hadn't even put that word out there because it's now it's like at the front of my brain yeah yeah i mean let's try and find a way to make this not um i mean boring. you know what there's so much of my anxiety journey that i look back at now and is highly entertaining just because of like anxiety i mean at its core is a fear of something irrational typically so i i mean there's lots of stories that i can look back at and find uh the light in and the entertainment value in because it wasn't okay then, but I was okay and I still am okay. And I'm here to tell the story of um, that journey. You know, next time that we're, you know, entering into a, a bout of anxiety, I'll just enter it in with that. Hey, by the way, this was really irrational. Um, <laughs> times past and I just, yep. want, just remember that now um and if you want to maybe just fast forward through this we can just pop on back to the the rational side of our conversation i mean do you do you know how much i would love to hit a fast forward button on an anxiety attack just you let's just skip the uh i mean i'd hit fast forward on my life if i said that and that would be it yeah pff, that's an exaggeration don't be a drama queen um but no, i really do wish that i could hit a fast forward button on my anxiety attacks like just you know let's skip the dizziness let's skip the uh the rapid heart rate let's skip the hyperventilation let's skip the nausea the disorientation yeah all of it i would just yeah you know it's part of your character it really is it is a big part of me um so here's a fun story is that i had an anxiety attack uh, on like our fourth or fifth date, I think it was. And we were on a double date with um, another couple friends, cu friend couple, right? Friend couple? Yeah. F a couple. A cu couple of friends that happened to be a couple. A couple of, right. Two people with, who were dating <laughs> were our company for uh, dinner. And um, I just had a full-blown anxiety attack. And I feel like I've been super open publicly about my anxiety journey, but for those of us who are um, just joining us now on the podcast and haven't watched me have my life fall apart multiple times and have many mental breakdowns online in the public eye uh, through anxiety, I'm, I'm like here for the cause. Like I'm so down to be as transparent as possible about my experience because I have just had so many meaningful conversations with viewers and subscribers who have um, related and learned and um, just gotten insight about the topic of anxiety because it's so, I mean, topical literally and and i think and i think it's important to have a voice for normalizing it and destigmatizing mental health in general and i'll be here as someone who <laughs> doesn't have anxiety but lives with someone with anxiety um and so let's from remember that uh take my advice and my perspective with a grain of salt this is not someone who deals with the same types of issues i feel like i think for the sake of the conversation though it's super helpful and it's a good balance to hear how you think about things and how you process things as someone who doesn't, you know, kind of suffer or experience anxiety. Right. And I have my own bag of things that I get stressed the fuck out about. <laughs> uh, and we can talk about that too. I think it'd be helpful if similar to how you did for me, I feel like in the beginning stages when mm -hmm. I was like, what is this? Why do you do the things you do? Um, why do I, why do I do that? <laughs> yeah, you, you why keep, does your brain do that? You keep doing that thing. Um, yeah, we talk about it. It's not rational. No, um, like what is, for the people at home, what is anxiety? 
I just remember that I literally started being like, oh my God, guys, fun story. I had an anxiety attack on our fourth date and then never told the story. Back to the story. <laughs> um, so uh, I'll, I'll hit these in, in both. Um, okay, so fourth or fifth date um, started to feel weird. Went to the bathroom to go like, uh, I, when I'm having an anxiety attack and start uh, feeling anxious, I, I can't convert, I can't carry a conversation. I totally dissociate and like am so in my own head and cannot be a part of any of my surroundings. Like I am, I am just like a bag of bones and blood at that point. Like I am contributing nothing to the conversations around me. A really pretty bag of bones. Thanks, babe. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I went to the bathroom to go like, oh my God, am I going to die? What's happening? A little bit of, I mean, not what's happening. I knew what was happening. I'm having an anxiety attack. And um, went to the bathroom, took a few minutes to breathe and was gone for a longer amount of time than you would like to be on a fourth or fifth date. And I was like, oh, he thinks I'm shitting for sure. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> for sure. And I mean, at this point, like, actually, this was the night that you announced to everyone that you had deleted all of your dating apps that was the night i remember at the table at the restaurant that we were at that you were like yeah i, I deleted all the apps and then this happened then i downloaded them again right right right. and then you were like oh this girl took off yeah, fat right. poo poo hinge tinder bumble <laughs> so anyway so i came back and i was like hey i'm having an anxiety attack i need to like just go outside and get some air and you handled that night like a fucking champion and it said so much about just the other experiences that i had had with significant others and anxiety and had barely even gotten to know you i mean we hung out four or five times and the way that you handled it was a plus thank you i'd like to say it was planned and i had it all in my head and how i was gonna figure it out but we, we just i just did what uh came to mind i was gonna say i feel like you didn't have a plan no i had like, no plan have you have you been in a relationship or had friends who are super anxious never and it's not just like i've never had like friends i'm sure that deal with anxiety right, but like right. i've never had a girlfriend or a close friend that mm -hmm. dealt with anxiety and i think a lot of my exes were like in the performing arts right and i feel like that's it's not so they don't get anxious but like they live almost on the edge oh I hate being on the edge <laughs> yeah but like you don't walk out into like all, crowds. Yeah, crowds yeah. and perform and not feel comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And as someone like as personally who came from that world as well, I feel like that was not the type of uh, stress and anxiety um, that I was used to. But here's the thing too, is that I want to stop you right there, is that stress and anxieties are two very, very different things. And like, I always explain this to people who are not like new, but are just like starting to learn about mental health. Is that like nerves and nervousness different from stress, stress different from anxiety. So my dad um, was one of the first people that I like learned to have this conversation with where he was like, I just don't get how you can go out in front of 10,000 people and go public speak, but like on, and you're not anxious about that but about this, this, and this you're anxious about. And I'm like, no, those are two different things. They absolutely are all connected and can be triggers for one or the other, but they are so completely different. And I feel like that's like a great place to start in understanding the different um, kind of like pillars of mental health. The human condition. The human condition, my condition. <laughs> um, did we finish that last story? Yeah, I mean, and then you just handled it like a champ and I was oh. like, nice. And I was like, I wasn't pooping. I was just like, nice, okay, cool. Wasn't shitting, was in the bathroom for a long time, trying to like get my life back together. Couldn't do it, needed air, got past the anxiety attack. You were great about it. And we went on another date after. Well, I remember I took you outside. Yeah, we went outside and, yeah. and it was like fine. But I remember that being not like a make or break moment, but had you handled that very poorly, that would have been the last time that I saw you. Right. So congratulations, you passed the test. 
Thank you. Failed, <laughs> failed every single one since, but that one, no. That one we passed. That one we passed. Um, so to define anxiety, um, I probably should have looked this up and got like the Webster's and like web. Yeah, but anyone could do that. They're not, they're not coming here you're right, for you're right, the, you're right. the scientific definition. What, I am the, what does uh, anxiety mean to you? I'm the case study. Okay, great. <laughs> um, it's a fear of something irrational um, and it's like, a reaction to something that you perceive whether rational or not and it's your reaction of something that you foresee to be stressful or unsafe or you don't have control over and so my specific anxiety is um just like a general anxiety disorder but specifically a metaphobia so i have an irrational fear of throwing up and that sounds so random some people are like oh my god yes like that's that's me as well but for those of you who have never heard of that it's um for me personally it's um the anxiety around the lack of control so it's like the same thing as a sneeze like you think about how that's an uncontrollable bodily function that like when your body needs to sneeze like it just does it like yes you can like plug your nose and like try and do things to make it stop but like at the end of the day if your body wants to sneeze like it's gonna do it and can you imagine being anxious about hiccups Oh my God, I would die. I, 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 I don't know what's wrong with me. I think there's something wrong with my diaphragm because I get the hiccups more than anyone I know. Nothing wrong with you, my love. Keep going. <laughs> so for some reason, my, well, actually after many years of therapy, I do know the reason, but, and we'll get into that. Uh, but my brain has wired itself to have an irrational fear around this loss of control of a bodily function in, that is throwing up for, well, I, I mean, again, we'll get into the reason, but um, so whenever I start feeling sick or someone around me feels sick or I am thinking or, or I'm headed to go do something that could make me feel sick, like a roller coaster or um, getting like motion sick or something, I get anxious about the possibility of being sick, which uh, I, I really have only thrown up maybe three times in my entire life, which is something that I've, um, you know, worked through a lot in therapy. It's like not something, it's not a reaction that my body frequently goes to. And maybe that's a part of the problem that if I threw up more often, I'd be less scared of it. But uh, that's what a metaphobia is. I don't really have much to add to that. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and you know what? It sucks because I feel so bad. It was because when like, just say like a girlfriend is like too drunk and is like throwing up and like you always see in the movies like holding her hair back. I can't be that bitch. I can't, I, as much as I am a good friend and I pride myself on being such a good friend, if you're throwing up, I gotta go. I, I gotta be in a different room. I literally like start getting anxious and have to like plug my ears. Like it's not a cute look on me as a friend. And also too, like if Jeremy's ever been um, sick from definitely not drinking too much. Alcohol consumption. Or or even when Jeremy is ill from like actual things or, so or self-induced, so New Year's Eve, or self-induced uh, intoxication to the point of illness. Self-induced intoxication? <laughs> it's usually self-induced. I mean, no, but like if you had food poisoning, I still right. wouldn't be able to like rub your back and no. hold your quaff or no, whatever. I, I distinctly, well, vaguely distinctly remember it was, I think New Year's Eve this year. Yeah, it was. We had a house party here uh -huh. pre-COVID uh -huh. and um, I got Liddy. No, the problem was is that you, you didn't actually drink that much. You just had a ton of champagne. Mm. And I feel like it was just the mix of the bubbles and the whiskey and the yeah. beers and the white cloth. It's like the mixing and the bubbly. Mm -hmm. I feel like it was just, it, it wasn't it for you. So I have this uncanny ability and it wasn't always this way, but I don't know, it was like 22, 23. I have this uncanny ability, no matter how much I've had to drink, if I can make it to bed, if I can fall asleep, I'm good. It's, it's insane. Literally, Jeremy will drunkenly be like, 
oh, I don't feel well, babe. Right. I don't feel well. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. As, and long as, as, as soon as he's out and I feel the twitch and I hear the snore, I'm like, oh, we're good. We're, we're good, good to go. And I'm literally anxious on the other side of the bed yeah, until you're, you're out. I'm yeah, getting yeah. anxious. I'm like, oh, is he going to get sick? Is he going to get sick? Right. And uh, so anyway, so New Year's, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I was like, oh, shit, I'm starting to feel bad, whatever. I need to go to bed. I need to go to bed. I need to go to bed. And so I ran upstairs, like, like getting half naked to like fall into bed or whatever. And I could get in. And I remember I get there. And like when I'm drunk, whatever, and I fall asleep in, you know, seven seconds or whatever, mm-hmm. not a problem. This time I remember feeling like, Ooh, I got this, uh, sp- uh, the, the bed the, spins, the, the spins. And I remember I was like, no, 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 no. You can do this. Go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. And I remember my eyes like shot open and I go, I have seconds. I have, I have a few seconds. No, this is not how it happened. You were out for half an hour. Oh, I was out. You were out for half an hour. Well, see, when I say I distinctly remember, I distinctly vaguely remember. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and tell it from there? Because I think that's when um, that's when my brain said goodnight. Right, right, right. Your brain was out. Yeah. So um, fell asleep. And so you fell asleep. My anxious ass is like, great. Drunk Jeremy is out. I'm good to go to sleep now. I'm in the clear. We made it. So you're sleeping. And all of a sudden, I wake up to Jeremy, like struggling to unlock our balcony door, which leads out to like a, a balcony that overlooks our front garden, the front of our house, our like front a, like bay window on okay. the like the lower right. floor okay. and <laughs> he's struggling with the lock because we just like always keep it locked obviously and it's it's two in the morning uh bust the door open finally both hands gripping the side of the railing of this balcony projectile vomits straight off of the balcony into the gutters down the window below us on the bay window oh my god it was it was uh, now it's hilarious it's one of the funniest things that you've ever done in our relationship is I mean, that story Okay. And like fun fact and fun <laughs> fact. And so, and so we live across from uh, a place that has 24 hour security. And like the best part of this story is just like thinking about being that security guard at two in the morning, seeing Jeremy just like throw up his insides, projecting it from the second story. <laughs> Cause his job is probably so boring. I mean, maybe on New Year's Eve is a little more lit, but like to see that from across the street is the funniest fucking thing I've ever thought of. You can lock off now, mom. Um, <laughs> and I remember then like going into like the bathroom area. Yeah. Um, like coming back. I knew I couldn't make it to the bathroom. I knew that like there was like drunk Jeremy. Yeah. Looked at his options and he did his flight path and he realized he had better luck making it to the balcony than like getting up and like getting into our, our bathroom, which is like around the corner and around the corner. Anyway, so then I walked back in. I was like, oh, I'm good. And Lauren, of course, is like, oh, are you okay? What's going on? What's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm, yeah, I'm good or whatever. And I remember I just like parked myself by the toilet. Mm-hmm. I don't think I puked anymore. No, you didn't. Yeah. But like, we definitely thought that there was more. And so like, I got you water and I got you a blanket mm-hmm. and I like tucked you in in the bathroom and I was like, all right, I'll see you. <laughs> like, but like around the corner, like, like anxiously, like yeah. everything okay in there? You okay, babe? You I'm okay? Fine. I'm fine. From around I'm fine. the corner. But even like drunken Jeremy then was like, y- you need to be able to at least lie to her <laughs> and say that you're okay. You Otherwise- were not lying. You were like, babe, please hang out with me. I was like, okay. Please no, hang out with me. I didn't say that. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Babe, I was super manly. Babe, I took care of it. It was, uh, babe. I remember this part. This is a lie. <laughs> anyway, so uh, got back in bed and fell asleep. Yeah, that was the end of it. Um, so yeah, I just like don't do well around uh, throw ups. And luckily you're not much of a puker and I am not either. I, I also hate puking, but. I mean, there's not very many people. I, I admire the people like Remy who like when they know they're too drunk can just like go and pull the trigger. Why and do make we gotta themselves... just call Remy out like that? Cause she's like, that's a boss bitch move. Are you kidding? I wish I could do that. It's admirable. Our friend, dr- our drunk friend Remy, she's great about it. She also just has like a, like a, um, a hilariously, uh, 
uh like delicate gag reflex so like we'll be brushing our teeth at a sleepover and she'll just be like what <laughs> and it okay. makes makes me a little anxious because <laughs> just the whole throwing up thing makes me <laughs> makes me nervous anyway anyway so after many years of therapy and i mean i probably didn't need to look this in words to connect this all together because again like just everything in your life is always connected um but i uh dated someone for four years who had severe epilepsy oh that's tough babe Oh, for our uh, video viewers, Jeremy has just spilled on himself. I just, it's just water, this. right? Yeah, it's just yeah. water. Yeah, you're fine. You're fine. That'll dry up by the end of the episode. Don't worry. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I was in a relationship with someone for four years who had severe epilepsy. And it was to the point where uh, they would have seizures on a weekly basis. We could go anywhere from having only like one a month to like 40 a month. It could be 10 in one day or it could be 10 in the month. It, it totally fluctuated. And I think experiencing and seeing seizures was uh, just the epitome of feeling like you are not in control because there is no way to stop a seizure. There is no way to prevent a seizure from happening once like the brain is headed in that direction. Um, so a pre-seizure symptom is called an aura. And so when someone's having an aura, there's like a few things you can do to help prevent it. But typically if you're having an aura, it gonna happen. And uh, it, it was just like the loss of control over and over and over again that I didn't properly learn how to process that somehow connected itself, that, that somehow wired itself in my brain to make me anxious around a specific bodily function, which right. you have no control over. Um, so figure that out through therapy for sure. But it, uh, it I mean, even anxiety is that like that's very traumatic and something that I should have been in therapy for, for sure. So like the first seizure that my boyfriend had uh, he went into a coma for four days and I was the only one there when he had that very first seizure and super, super traumatic. Like, don't wish that on anyone. And probably that is the day that I probably should have started therapy to like process what had happened, process that it was not my fault, process. Yeah, no one goes into like a trauma like that and is immediately like, I should probably start seeking some help immediately to curve this off in the future. Like it maybe would, no one thinks that way. I guess, I guess. Yeah. Unless you're already in therapy. Unless you're already in therapy and right. you're very self-aware. Right. You're very self-aware. No teenager is like, I, I think it's time to seek professional help. Right. And right. so that was, that happened uh, in grade 12. And that was the beginning kind of, of all of my anxiety uh, struggles and journey. And so when I moved to Toronto for college after I graduated from university, um, I think there was also the trigger of just like having a very large life change that made me highly anxious and it there was like all these new factors that also felt like mildly out of control so i think it was a combination of having like this trauma that was recurring and then also just like um new things to be stressed about and again like combination of nerve stress anxiety i was just overwhelmed to the point of um eventually seeking help from my doctor and so i started taking medication and i started therapy um i've been with a lot of different therapists and the first few were not the right fit for me and I mean, therapy, I've said this before, is like dating. Like you need to find the right therapist for you. Um, flashback to Jeremy finding his therapist that told him to go be a fuck boy safely. But no, why you're being a fuck boy. Don't think the story's about me. <laughs> well, no, that, it's just like, that's a great case in point about how you found a therapist that you just vibed with. Mm. Well, back to your story. Um, I mean, babe, there's nothing wrong with going to therapy and having it confirmed that you should be a fuck boy. Go listen to the fuckboy episode. It's very entertaining. Yeah, we're just throwing that out there without a context and <laughs> hoping that everybody do that one. 
Anyways, I started a a small dose of a drug called Celexa. And um, over the course of maybe three months, it does take your body a little bit of time to get adjusted. It just like a cloud just like dissolved or dissipated or uh, what's what's uh, the the proper science cloud term when it evaporates? (laughs) Science. But like this cloud, this cloud of like anxiety and not being able to like leave my room and walk down the street, go to the mall, go to parties, like do anything, go to class, like the amount of class that I skipped in my first year of university because I was too anxious to get out of bed to even go downstairs and get food in the cafeteria. Like I was completely trapped in this lifestyle and could not get out and and getting and getting on medication was truly like the turning point for me being able to do a 180 with my life and start like literally living again like i was i was living life at probably 10 percent capacity and getting on medication it felt like 100 and you couldn't give anymore it oh absolutely it felt like 100 i was like this is all i have to give right now and it totally that's such a good way to put it and um yeah getting on medication was the best thing that i could have ever done and again medication is not for everyone talk to your doctor and find you know what the best fit for you is but for me it was genuinely life-changing And I want to be super clear. And again, this is just my journey, but medication is not like the magic fix to everything anxiety and stress and depression related. But for me personally, it just kind of cleared that cloud. Again, going back to my very um, accurate and scientific cloud metaphor, it, it cleared the cloud so that I could see more clearly and go to therapy and have meaningful conversations and kind of go back through the past traumas and figure out and make connections and learn more about anxiety in general and also like what I had been through and how it all connects. So so, so as much as I would love to just take one pill a day and make it all go away forever and be magically cured, it's so much more than that. And anxiety is something that I am prepared and have just like accepted and feel okay about, honestly. And it took me a long time to get to this place. Okay, you say that, but let me challenge that in the sense of the first time it came up with us, right? I feel like the first thing your brain went to outside of clearing the air for like, let me you know breathe again is, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna be so turned off by this. So it's like, there's still insecurities there. You're, you're definitely going to come across people in your life who are not going to react and treat you the way that you know you deserve to be treated just because you do struggle with anxiety. And so, I mean, again, like not that it, it, I mean, it really was make or break. Actually, I say that it's not make or break, but it totally was like, had you not reacted well to that, I would have been super bummed because things had been going so well between us. And I was like, oh man, like crazy bitch alert. Like, damn, like this is me just like putting it all out there on date four or five. But I do actually think there's pros to that because it was a conversation that naturally just came up because that had happened and we got to have that conversation probably much earlier on in the relationship than we would have had that not happened. Yeah, agreed. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... 
I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. I think it's important. And as someone who certainly is not an expert at this, I'm just someone who lives with you and has learned from the past that not every problem is ripe for fixing. A, uh, for sure. I think that past Jeremy would have, especially as past Jeremy is someone who did not deal with anxiety, mm-hmm. um, would have struggled to not be able to come up with a logical solution right. in the moment every right. time and would have then been frustrated with the situation or himself or you or whatever in indirect ways because well, you're not going to be sick. There's no reason to, to be fear being sick. Mm-hmm. Let me show you all the reasons as to why you're not being sick. That's not helpful. And I think that guys oftentimes are trying to come up with a, when they're, when they're a girlfriend or a significant other or, or family member comes to them with a problem or something's happening, they're so quick to have an answer to that when really sometimes people are just coming to them to talk and sure. they want to have someone next to them or feel heard or feel understood. Absolutely. And that's way more important. And I think that like the biggest thing that I've learned and it's just what I do. And when I, I feel like every time that you say, oh, I'm just going to, I don't feel good or I feel like I'm, having, I'm starting to have an anxiety attack as opposed to saying, um, okay, let me get you this or let me fix this or whatever. It's very much a, well, what can I do to help? Right. And the reason I asked that question, I, how or what can I do to help is because it then forces that other person to, as opposed to think to themselves of like, okay, do this, do this, or I'm going to do this. It's, well, what can he get me to help? And if it's nothing, there's no answer and that's okay. Just sit there, just right. be there, exist just there. there. Right. Don't add more stress to it. Or What's wrong? What are you feeling? How can I help? Wait, it, it's not about that. Hey, mm-hmm. um, how are you feeling? What can I do to help? That simple question is enough to get us to the next phase. Right. And that's such a good, I feel like piece of advice for significant others who are experiencing like being on your end of like the anxiety relationship. Um, because I feel like people do always want to help and they want to help in the way that they think is the best and it might not be the best fit. Um, especially like the mothers who feel like they go into that fight or flight of, of I need to help. And, and it's a very much a, well, what can I do to help? What are you feeling? How, um, 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 and it's like, it, mm-hmm. they immediately want to attack the problem right. of like, well, let's get it fixed then where it's, it's really just like, okay, you're having an anxiety attack. The other person's not, you should not be, right. don't be adding stress. <laughs> yes. Like you're the chill one right now. Right. We all, <laughs> we all know parents that in good intentions, by yeah, the way, that will sure. just like hover cop, like hover cover. <laughs> 
<laughs> will just like helicopter over issues right. because they want to fix it, but that's not actually going to fix an irrational problem in the first place. And I mean, I think I think there's so many different scenarios because I think there's like the helicopter or hovering parent who wants to fix it and it all comes from good intentions. But I also think that there are so many adults and parents, especially of our generation who don't believe in mental health, you know, because I feel like now oh, right. it's such an honest and open and transparent conversation for our generation, but for our parents, our grandparents, it wasn't like that back then. And so I talked to a lot of young people who struggle to have that conversation with their parents because they don't think that like anxiety and depression are real. They're like, suck it up and just work hard, work harder, try harder, just be happy. Like why, why just can't you, why can't you just see that? Well, I think therapy in general was taboo for so long because if, sure. you're, if you're going to a therapist, that means there's something wrong with you, right? right. It's like, why, like whether it's like a marital therapist or a relationship or any type of therapy means something's wrong and people don't want to admit something's wrong in the first place. Like I distinctly remember as a kid when my mom would get, uh, when she was driving somewhere and this was before GPSs mm -hmm. existed, I remember she would get very, very anxious when she didn't know where she was going. I remember she'd like turn the music down all the time and her voice would get really short and she'd get very upset right, and everything. Right. And I'd be like, what's wrong? Like, we're just, we just don't know where we're going. We'll pull to the side of the road, we'll figure it out. But for her, it was like this loss of control, I remember. And, for sure. And I remember she like like turned to me a few times, like, you'll understand when you're older, when 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 um, when, when you're in my position. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't because it's, that's not my, that's not what, what I get anxious about. That's right, not totally. something that, that impacts me, but it does her. And I think it's just a different conversation that hopefully in 20 or 30 years we'll be a lot smarter and open about. For sure. And I mean, I think there's been so much progress, like so, so, so much progress. I have very seldom had comments that say, except for a few select pieces of shit on the internet, um, and I'm not even gonna name them to give them the clout, that um, genuinely advocate for the idea that mental health is like not a real thing. Um, but for the most part, I seldom get comments that are negative towards mental health and people are very open and honest and appreciative of uh, the transparency of the conversation. I mean, I think people just don't understand and they fear that or they are quick to dismiss something that they don't understand. And and I mean, and I, think it's, I think it's also difficult to understand things that you don't experience. And so for someone like you who doesn't get anxious and don't say you don't get stressed and upset and angry, like those emotions are very real. But for someone who doesn't experience um, specifically anxiety, you have to make a conscious effort to learn about it and to understand it and to have the conversations with someone like me who needs support from someone who doesn't experience it. So if you don't make the effort to understand, you're never going to get there. Understand and accept. And accept, for sure. Acceptance right. is a huge part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I don't get stressed. It's just that I think the things that, that put me on edge mm -hmm. are very different than what put you on edge. And I think that's probably a good thing that we were balanced out For sure. in the sense that the way that I deal with my issues are very different. Um, but yeah. Anxiety is also just like such a learning process, like learning the different triggers and how to not only uh, understand them, accept them, sometimes avoid them. But just like, for example, um, when someone has a seizure, they make like this really terrible choking sound because you're not breathing. And it, it's one of the worst sounds in the entire world. And the way that my body reacts to that is is just like the it's the trigger of hearing that sound and putting my brain back into the scenario, having no control. So even if someone in their sleep like chokes on spit for a quick second, like and then rolls over and goes back to sleep and everything's fine, or someone chokes on a piece of food for a second and dislodges it and they're totally fine, that one second of that choking sound is such a trigger that immediately can put me back into a place from 
eight years ago. And it's so crazy how our brains are wired like that. And it's just something that it, it'll probably always happen. Obviously, it probably gets a little dimmer and dimmer every year, but it's something that I, but it's something I know will continually happen, but it's the way that I react to it happening that's changed and improved over the years. I think anything, any memory that's tied to an emotional reaction for sure is nearly unforgettable. Absolutely. For yeah. sure. I think there's just so many things that like in our brain, it gets marked as a specific thing and there's the links to it and it brings you right back. Good or bad. That goes in the permanent folder. Right, right. right. Good or bad. Good or bad. Right. And actually a really interesting metaphor that one of my therapists, one of the better therapists that I worked with, um, explained to me that when I had the trauma of all these seizures and the coma and like the lack of control, my brain took that memory and that trauma and filed it into the wrong folder in my brain when it was organizing and trying to um, heal and recover from it. She was like, your brain doesn't know what to do with trauma. We're not built and we're not, we're not built and conditioned to really handle trauma. And so sometimes your brain just doesn't know what to do with it. And so for me to be irrationally scared of throwing up is just how my brain reacted and it went into the wrong folder. <laughs> Eventually, I'm sure Elon will invent something to um, figure to pluck that out. That, yeah, 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 to yeah. pluck that folder out and, and then reorganize yeah. it properly. We'll yeah. have a whole another uh, slew of problems then, but but yeah. <laughs> or maybe I can just have like an offsite hard drive to store the trauma memories. Or and, upload it to the cloud. And upload it in the cloud, like, yeah. Visit it when you want to, right, but yeah. Right, 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 yeah. for the BEMS, for the MEMS. I've been super lucky with my anxiety and my family. Um, they've always been super accepting and understanding. Like if we're having dinner and I like need to go home or something, there's never any pushback ever. Like they're both super down to accommodate me um, when I need to do something that's not normal of the night. And to be clear, it's inconvenient, of course. Like absolutely. I, it's very, it's it's absolute shit for someone who doesn't accept or understand. Right. To, if, if you're not willing to accept and understand that it's a real thing, mm -hmm. it would come off as like, so we're just gonna end our night because of some irrational thing that you're dealing with. Well, yeah, for someone who doesn't yeah. understand, they'd be like, oh, so your shoelace untied and that means we have to end our entire fun night? Like right. that's that's like the, the totally. level of severity it is in their mind and they don't, when they don't understand. Right. And that lack of understanding is so stressful for people who do struggle with anxiety because my biggest fear is inconveniencing others. My biggest fear is ruining someone's night or ending someone's like fun time or right. putting a damper on activities because of my anxiety or something that I have to do because of my anxiety. Like if we go out and I have to go home and my friends don't want to stay at the bar and they want to come home with me, I just feel bad. And it's like, it's such a cycle of getting anxious about it's, I get anxious about getting anxiety and inconveniencing others. And it's a cycle that I feel like a lot of people with anxiety experience. And if you don't have the right people around you that you know are very accepting of that and understanding, it can make your your situation so much worse. One hell of a, whirl, a whirlwind. There. It's, it's yeah, it's a yeah. big old cycle. But I think parents are so, um, they, they want to see the best in their kids and they for want sure. to see the best for their kids. And I think to a degree, so many of them go into this of, well, it'll, it's probably just a, 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 it's probably just a phase. It's probably just a thing. This, totally. this will move on. This will be a transition that we can kind of get through. Mm -hmm. So as long as we just don't really acknowledge it, that right. will move through. We don't want this to become a thing. Right, right, you know? right, right. And like you get where they're coming to the situation in good intentions. Yep. They're just not seeing the bigger picture. Right, 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 right. And I mean, a lot of the times if it gets neglected, it's it just gets worse. It just gets worse. It does not go away. You don't just forget about it. It doesn't just magically disappear one day. And it's it's something that needs to be addressed uh, individually, obviously, with support. I mean, I'm painfully ADD, like painfully. Mm -hmm. like, And I think that it's so, so, 
so common yet so taboo and and to right. a degree that I who knows what I would have been like academically right. had I been like a prescribed and been like diagnosed earlier. Right. But all I know is after I went to the doctor finally mm -hmm. and fought tooth and nail to even get to the doctor and was old enough to be able to make those decisions myself, my academic career night and day. Oh, so you made the decision. You didn't get uh, diagnosed until you were allowed to like sign your own papers and take yourself there. Correct. Oh, well, I feel like you hear so many stories about kids, especially like young kids having ADD or ADHD and their teachers and parents just like won't take them to the doctor because they're like, they're My just a high still energy kid. Does not accept that I have ADD. Right. And you're just like, it's a high energy kid. They'll grow out of it. They're just immature. You need to exercise your child more. Like you hear so many stories about that and just like, and it's such a complicated situation because you need the adult to validate that, I guess, because- Can't go to the doctor without it. Yeah, when you're in grade one, like you can't go and be like, right. hi, I have ADD. And I mean, you know what? Kids are so smart now at such a young age. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. But right. I mean, like when we were growing up, like there were so many kids who sometimes would get held back a grade because they said that their brain wasn't mature enough to focus and have attention. Right. And it, it's, it's this very frustrating thing as a kid because there's so many... It, when you're an adult, you don't have to do as as many um, mentally challenging things that you might not be interested in. Oh, you might have yes, to go to so work. True. You might have right. to do that. But like, I'll never have to do geometry again. Right. I'm not going to have to learn French unless I want to learn French. Right. And I think as a you know fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grader, it's very easy to you know come up with an excuse not to do something. And I think your your parents are well, can you just focus? Can you figure it out? And for anyone with ADD, they'll they'll relate to the sense that when you look at something, you know, you're not interested in it. it does not, there's no passion here, but you have to do it and you start doing it. And you then realize a minute, two, three minutes later that you've already trailed off on the next thing in your head, whether you're making some story up or your imagination's going, or you're going onto a task that is, you know, slightly less boring. Mm -hmm. And you do that just in cycles for hours and hours and hours. You don't get anything done. And I'm sure that's frustrating. It is frustrating. And what's, what's even more frustrating is, is that, once you are, you know, able to seek help and whether that's medication, whether that's some form of therapy, you know, your brain is unlocked uh, mm -hmm. in a way that is, you know, I, I can actually do all of the work. It's not that it's above my cognitive ability. It's just something that like my brain has such a difficult time honing in on right. from start to finish that I never actually get to show how smart I am in the first place. Right, and right, for right. an adult, not a problem. You know, uh, I'm going to be 30 in a couple of years. Like, I don't think that I will ever, you know, be able to like get over uh, being ADD. There's just not a world where that's something that is just going to be something that I'm, I'm healed or learn enough right. from. Mm -hmm. I need that that help from from the medication side. That might not be the case for everybody. Totally. But I think it's so, so difficult. And I, I urge parents of kids to figure out how to at least be a little bit more open and honest to all the realm of possibilities mm -hmm. before you just decide which ones you're willing to accept or not. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think trusting a healthcare professional is probably the move instead of, you know, just, you know, going by your own judgment and uh, ideas. I mean, uh, just like to put a button on that last like portion, it's very much just like the things that I deal with that you deal with and everything are all relative, right? We all have our own um, specific issues in the way that, that they start mm -hmm. and on the trigger side, a way that we we deal and cope or, or learn to get better from them. Mm -hmm. I think the important piece is to remember that nobody else's fix is going to be the same fix for you. You might have a similar one, but there's no one size fits all. Absolutely. And I think that it's a combination of many things. And I don't think there's one specific change. Oh, and then everything got better. Maybe that would be the case for some people. It's not for me, it's not for you, but to understand that like you probably aren't perfect and check all boxes, that's okay. 
have a unique approach to it and figure out what works for you and then continue to evolve on that so that you continue to get better or understand better or feel more safe or comfortable during your everyday life. For sure. And I've, I've been really open about like the types of ways that I've, um, you know, used therapy and medication and um, different meditation apps. And I talk about things that I've tried. I think it's almost more important to talk about the normalization of it and the understanding, the acceptance side of it, because like you said, like my journey is going to be so different from everyone else's. Like it, it's so specific, the trauma that I had, not to say that there aren't people who had significant others with epilepsy, but just like everything is so connected to like the way you were raised, the the place, the place and time that your traumas happened with, who you were with, who you saw after your trauma, like every scenario is so, so individual. And I try and use my platform to destigmatize um, the conversation around mental health rather than offer cures for people. Because again, it, that's not my expertise. That's not what I went to school for. And again, like there's great apps out there that I love that people, that other people might love, but it's just not one size fits all. And unfortunately what works for me might not work for everyone else. Definitely. And I think the, the whole point is just to try and do your best and not trying to have all the answers. My journey has also been like 11 years and my coping mechanisms have been a combination of so many different things over those years. Like I got a medication in 2011 or 12 and I've been on that same medication actually for about nine years and I just recently switched. It was rough. Oh my God, your girl was not okay. And so anyways, I, I just- a couple of weeks. Yeah, seriously, rough couple of weeks transitioning off of that med and then onto a new one. Um, but I felt like I had metabolized my body. I felt like my body had started metabolizing that medication um, just because I'd been on it for so long. I was at maximum dose and I was like, okay, time to try something new. Um, so with the help of my doctor, I got on a new medication. So that first medication has been part of my, um, you know, healing and coping journey the entire time. But it's been, it's been in and out of therapy, working with different therapists, um, trying different types of therapy and also things more on like the natural side of like using CBD and massage, meditation, um, and so many different things. And so I think it also depends on like what point of your life you're at as well to know what you need and like new things to try and when it's like time to maybe not revamp but try something new if you're not feeling your best and so that's how I was feeling a couple months ago when I when I talked with my doctor about not feeling the maximum benefits that I had once felt from the original medication um, so she prescribed me something that I could also take on a day when I was feeling crazy anxious and could not get it under control. So I've got two different types of medication now. So it's definitely been an evolving process that's always kind of changing a little bit and tailoring depending on how I'm feeling. And I think this also brings me to my next point in that this will always be in waves. Like I would love to feel great all the time and just like have my set of coping mechanisms that are great and always work. But I mean, that's just not the reality of life life like so as much as I would love that whatever the combination of coping mechanisms I have right now to make me feel bomb every single day like that would be ideal that's the dream I think my lifestyle is not one that is crazy predictable and consistent um, because partially because of the industry I'm in and I mean even just like the the climate of the world like that pertains to everyone is that like things don't stay the same every single day so being able to be flexible with how you treat your symptoms, I think is so important and understanding that there's no end all be all solution that's going to work forever. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. 
connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Let's talk about fucking stress. Let's talk about fucking stress. I'm the queen of stress. This I, conversation, I feel like, is starting to stress you out. Literally, I'm sweating. I am. Um, every podcast, actually, you begin sweating. I know. I think it's just hot in here also, a combination of that. No, I would love for it to be an icebox. Don't <sighs> don't invite that. I know. I know. I don't I don't know if I want that either. I don't know if that one just. I could turn it down. I um I've noticed as I've gotten older that I'm literally eroding my teeth away because I clench my jaw so hard during the day and also when I sleep. And so this is like really inconvenient because my dentist wants me to wear a mouth a mouth guard at night and like one until we're married, I can't do that to either of us. Like that's just like a step that you don't take until you're 40 and have been married for 15 years. I mean, by then it'll be wild till seven. <laughs> wild secluded. till seven, right. Wild till seven with a mouth guard. <laughs> and uh, Sex will be scheduled in our Gmail calendars. By right, then. yeah, I love that for us. Um, but yeah, so my dentist, so, so my dentist has like highly recommended that I should wear a mouth guard before I crack my teeth open and I can see in my front teeth where like I align my bottom teeth like to dig into my front teeth and every morning I look at it being like it's today the day I crack my front tooth open. <laughs> You're gonna go full Hollywood veneers soon. I mean I, this is what I think about is like if I were to crack my front tooth it's like would I just get one veneer on that tooth or would I just go for it all and just shave them all down to little nubbies and do veneers on the whole uh, on the whole mouth. Let's wait till our 30s. Oh God. Well, if, I, if I'm this stressed at uh, 27 and my teeth are in this shape, I don't know if I've gotten until 30s. I mean, I think stress is so, once again, very relative. And stress is something that like, uh, I don't experience anxiety very mm -hmm. often. Like I've, I, you know, I, I get anxious once a quarter, um, but you know, I get stressed out, not all the time, but when I get stressed, I definitely like, I feel the, the weight of that. And I think it's so, um, people are very unfair in the way that they assign and merit other stress. And I think it's very easy for someone else to say, well, that I, I have more on my plate or I have, right. a, I have, I have a harder life. No doubt. Um, right, and right. that, that does sound terrible. All I'm, I can only speak from my perspective. Yeah. And I think that it's the same from anxiety. It's the same for stress. And, and that, yes, it's not to say that you should sit there and complain all the time about how terrible your life is mm -hmm. because uh, yes, someone probably has a much harder life. Don't get me wrong, but that doesn't, invalidate uh, the fact that you have stress in the first place. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing as how like, I wouldn't look down at high school me and be like, that stress about that massive project doesn't matter because your life is, is about to get way more, you're like you wouldn't do that to it your was, younger self. It was the most stressful thing in the right, world. And you absolutely. can look back and laugh because you got through it. I think that 
looking back on my friends that didn't know how to deal with stress mm -hmm. and didn't have an outlet for that stress um, were the ones that silently kept piling on more and more oh, and more. Yeah. Ignored it. And in some cases, you know, uh, went as far to take their own life. And oh, it's, it's so, it's so clear to see in hindsight. Right. It's just so difficult at the time to figure out if your friend is carefree when they've got a lot going on. Right. Or they're truly not dealing with any of it. I mean, I think people, the way that they handle it is so different. You don't know if they're projecting it inward or outward. And it, it can be really hard to tell if they don't reach out and ask for help. Right. Which I think is the last thing that some people are wired to do. Absolutely. Oh my God. Absolutely. The, the boyfriend that had epilepsy was the last person to ever ask for help. And it was, it was something that he really struggled with because he did need help. Obviously, like sometimes it was a, a matter of his life on the line and literally needed to ask for help. And he just hated it so much because, you know, pride, ego, and just like the way that he's wired, he hated the idea of potentially inconveniencing someone to help him. Right. And I think that, that everyone has their own stress points. And obviously it's because of what we're dealt with and what we have to work with. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so relative. Going back to the things that stress us out, <laughs> the things that stressed me out in high school were obviously different from college right. and college to real life and, and beyond that. And I say real life in the sense of just like you don't have the same type of stressors when you're still at your parents' house and not supporting yourself. Right. But some of those stressors are almost even in some cases harder to deal with because you feel like you don't have the freedom to, to make those choices anyway. Right, right. If, if you don't have the ability to, whether it's seek help or offload this or stop doing something because mm -hmm. um, because I said so and you're living in my house and until you pay rent and all those things, I, I actually think that I'm much, no, uh, for a fact, I am much less stressed now than I was in high school and college because uh, I pay my own bills. Right. And it's not a matter of like, I'm not waiting for someone to, to let me know what I can and can't do. I can go to this place. I can't go to this place. I need to be home by this. I gotta, I can't do this because of this, you know, paycheck or, or you need to do this for me so that I can do this. It's not to say that we don't have the similar thing with, you gotta go to work. You gotta get paid. You gotta pay your bills. You gotta, you know, things will come up, but it's not, it's much more in my control than it was uh, 10 years ago. Right. And I think we're both similar in that when we feel like we're in control of things, um, it's more relaxing and less right. stressful for sure. Okay. So now in your current situation, how do you deal with stress? Uh, poorly. <laughs> Honestly, when Jeremy's like stressed, especially like when he's like in the middle of a career change or like a job transition, he literally stays up until four in the morning just by himself watching TV in the dark with Moose on the couch. And I've like already slept for four hours until he comes to bed. Yeah, I um, I have a hard time turning my brain off. Right. Um, when you're I feel like when you're making lots of like hardcore decisions that could uh, not put a fork in your life decisions, but right. like when you're making a decision on like a new path. Right. And I think that my, the things that stressed me out when I got out of college were very much like, well, I was broke. I didn't have any money. Right. So it was very much, how do I pay for my existence? Right. Right. And it's, that comes with some serious fucking baggage. Like I think 99.9% .9 of the people on this earth have been broke before and mm -hmm. will be broke again. And, and God knows I could be broke again. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at things and moves of like, will that pay for this thing? Or will I be able to pay off that credit card debt? Or will I ever be able to pay back student loans? All of the things just like you just pile more shit on, right? And moving away from that, like the student loans, you know, they, they're paid and you know, I got money for rent and, and all these things. Like you start to think, okay, I've got that taken care of. And you'd think that you go, okay, great. Things are taken care of now. 
except for now you are going to add new artificial goals and barriers in your life. Right. And it's very easy to say, well, don't do that. But now, as opposed to me, uh, and the last time I, I made a career change, I was thinking to myself, not like, a, okay, great, this one pays better than my last job, let's take it. Because that would have been the first mindset. But now it's like, okay, this one pays better. Uh, that one uh, pays less, but opens me up to new doors. Uh, this one I get equity back. Oh, this, one. Mm-hmm. and there's so many different pieces and there's no, there's not anyone you can just turn to and say, hey, what's what's the best, um, what option should I go with? Right, just like shake the magic eight ball. Right, it's not yeah. as simple anymore. <laughs> and, and, and I will take these problems over my old ones any day. Not being able to afford food, sucks. Not being able to report rent sucks. Not being able to have the freedom to do what you think are the bare minimum to survive and exist and not feel like you're constantly just like looking over your back for more debt that's going to be piled on sucks. But when your brain gets into that place of like, okay, how are you going to reach these imaginary goals you're putting for yourself? My brain personally stays on. <laughs> it literally doesn't turn off until you've like reached or come to like a concrete decision around the next Absolutely. step. Netflix actually understands my stress periods better than anybody because they can look at my new girl consumption and right. go from, oh, <laughs> he's going from one or two episodes a week to two to three seasons. Because I'm not like I'm sitting there staring there just like watching Schmidt be Schmidt. It's just like I'm like, okay, I could take that. Nah, I could take that. And I'll just start researching other companies and uh-huh. industries and things that are open or whatever. And, and it's, it's, uh, fuck, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm the type of person that has, um, uh, a quarterly mental breakdown for sure, but I also am a big fan of list making and like task prioritizing. And this is very type A of me, but it, it's truly like what keeps me sane. I have never been more busy than when I was in my fourth year of university and also doing YouTube at like a full-time rate. And the organization and time management skills that I had taking a full course load and making one to two videos a week and editing them myself and doing social media for myself and like trying to get my brand, my channel off the ground. Like I create a brand. Yeah. Oh my God. I was, that, that is the hardest that I have ever grinded in my entire life. Like I was probably working. And by the way, not the smartest, just working the hardest. Just working the hardest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it, it was like, it was so insane. And so I feel like that year in particular taught me so much much about time management and learning how to prioritize my tasks. So like I definitely have a full out mental breakdown first when I'm crazy stressed and I'm so overwhelmed that I can't do anything, which is the total opposite of productivity. Like I I need to have a moment where I like crash and feel so out of control and everything's spiraling and I and I have my breakdown. And then I take a deep breath, I pull my shit together and I make a list of all the things that need to be done when the due dates are like what I owe to who and the priority of all of it and how much time everything's going to take and work it into my schedule and figure it out. And I can always get it done. I feel like it's very important that we point out the fact that it's it's a, a luxury that we were able to do this and figure it out and like, you know, move on from it. We'll have these periods again. Can you imagine going through just as much work and having a kid? Dude, literally when I think of people who have children, like parents, like even just thinking like right now, like amidst like the current situation of like the pandemic and so many and so many parents having to do homeschooling with their kids doing online school. I cannot imagine being a parent in this situation where you're working a full time job. You're taking care of kids. You're trying to help them through school. You're cooking meals, cleaning the house, like running errands, taking kids to wherever they need to go. But the 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 shitty thing is they can do all these things. There's always something more that needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, have the time, especially when you're in the beginning part of your career, or sometimes when you're, you know, through 
on the latter half of your career. Right. You're not making enough to make ends meet and everything feels like you are failing at everything when you're giving your, when you're giving your all. Totally. Totally. And I think it's easy too. If like, if you're feeling weaker in one area, I feel like it's easy for that to like leak into all the other things that you might still be succeeding at. Why is it that our brains are so quick to find the thing that we suck at? Right. And that will then plague all the things we're good at. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. insane. And that's why to me, it's like, I I will never be able to, to criticize. Well, I can criticize. I should never rightfully criticize the way that I was brought up knowing that like single moms are doing everything everybody else is. And then they're going home and doing it again. Right, right. I know. I can't even imagine. It's, it's like insane. single moms are are single parents, just in general, are superheroes, like actual superheroes. The wild card that I think it's so obvious, and everyone kind of like throws up and talks about now. But the wild card for stress and anxiety is that although I think that, do you want to swallow a couple more times? Sorry, sorry. I, I, I yeah, that was really loud. I don't. <laughs> I feel like my swallows are much louder than normal. Can you swallow in the microphone with a p- glass of water, please? I just need to. We just need to measure this really quick for science. Why was that so much quieter than mine? Okay, ready? There's no way that we're gonna put this in the podcast. Yes, we are. We're gonna keep this in for science. Why is, will someone tell me why my swallow is so much louder than the normal one? Is my throat broken? Uh, Lauren has a deviated septum and I can tell you that because every morning she wakes (laughs) up to the, like it's a choir. I was like, "Hmm." I have a a slight nose whistle every morning. It's like a choir. Honestly, you are welcome for that performance. I just like, I don't want to get my face busted open and my nose broken and reset or whatever that means for a deviated septum. I don't want to do that. And also I don't want to have the camera shoved up my nose to confirm that I have a deviated system in the first place. So this is just like an in- ignorance is bliss situation where I want to just keep that door shut for a very long time. Yeah, but your ignorance forever. is loud in the morning. You know what? You can just suck it up. You can just suck it up. You know what? I, I usually only wake up maybe 15, 20 minutes before you if I wake up before you at all. So it's fine. You're fine. Okay. Anyway, back to stress and anxiety. Um, I think that the wild card here is that the internet has, if if, they, if it's not anything uh, positive uh, mm-hmm. for this specific topic, it has, I think, shined a light on an enlightenment of the fact that we should, there are more people out there that deal with this than I think were previously allowed to have a platform 10, 20, 30 right. years ago. Oh my God. Yeah. When I first started talking about anxiety, I... When I when I first when I first started looking into anxiety and started like you know diving into WebMD, which you know always tells you that you're yeah, about please. to die, yeah, 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 don't do that. Highly highly recommend to you never cough, do that. Death, death, yeah. Your your left finger, your left second finger hurts. Death. death, like it always leads to death. But when I started looking into emetophobia and really figuring out you know like what my specific triggers were and based on my traumas and my symptoms. I learned about emetophobia through the internet, not from my therapist. I showed up in therapy being like, hi, I have a general anxiety. I have a general anxiety disorder and I have emetophobia and and sometimes agoraphobia. And so I went into my therapy sessions like armed with knowledge because of how much information is available on the internet. And it wasn't even the informational pieces that really resonated with me. It was the forums of it was the forums of people who went through similar experiences that meant the most to me. And it made me feel like I wasn't isolated in these problems that felt like they were just absolutely controlling my life. Yep. And that's the positive side. The negative side is for every <laughs> single one of those positive forums, there's 14 fucking ridiculous ones where people are absolute trash humans that are either right. making fun of each other right. or are pointing out all the mistakes and the issues. Right. I mean, God knows the internet's mean. 
It's, it it's a harsh so place. Mean. <laughs> and unfortunately, we haven't figured out that balance of how to be like nice people. Right. Um, but like, you know, my, my whole point to this was like, there's definitely been an enlightenment period since the internet. Yes, there's also been a, a world of, you could be doing better. Um, this is what this person's doing. Uh, mm -hmm. This is how you should compare yourself. Oh this, yeah. And it's just yeah. like this like constant balance of like trying to figure out like how to like not be ignorant to the rest of the world and use right. it as a resource yeah. without having it be a virtual dick measuring contest. Right, of like, I mean, Instagram, I feel like has been, you know, something that everyone needs to learn how to mentally balance and figure out how to use it as a platform that's enjoyable and an expression of art and photography and just like fun content versus being like, oh my God, this person is vacationing here. Look how flat their stomach is. Her hair looks great. Like it's such a, a, a tough it can be it can be such a tough platform for comparison and i mean we could do a whole episode on like how social media can be good or bad but it definitely but it definitely goes hand in hand with um you know tending to your mental health and making sure that social media isn't playing into the negative negative sides of it i mean yeah comparison is the thief of joy oh my god i've seen that on pinterest 4500 times and if it ain't the truth uh is there any fun stories we can end this podcast with um i'm trying to think of like a an oh I, well okay so um, this was just like a, a crazy thing that is like not, it's not fun. I mean, anxiety attacks are not funny. Like you literally feel like you're on the edge of death. Like you're like, I'm never coming out of this. This is the end of my life. Um, and I mean, no exaggeration by that truly. Uh, but one time in, when I lived in Toronto still, and I was a couple months out from moving to LA. So again, like another massive transition period coming into my life, like anxiety high, um, lots of other things in my life too that were like a little unstable, graduated from college, like about to move, like lots of things, lots of moving parts. Uh, so very anxious, very stressed, uh, high pressure period of my life. I learned how incredibly powerful brains are like, okay, yeah, like duh, like brains are powerful and smart, like no fucking shit, like duh. But I, I had an anxiety attack where um, my entire spine went numb. And that's not typically one of the symptoms that I experience in my personal anxiety attacks. And it may be something that's totally normal for someone else. But I mean, like the spine to me is like a really scary part of your body because like- it You know, I don't, unless my back hurts, Yeah, my spine and I, uh, we coexist without really thinking about each other. You don't think about your spine ever? Oh my God, that's so crazy. I think about my spinal cord all the time. You know what it was though? I think in high school, I had someone in my high school get into a really bad diving accident and um, they lost motion feeling quadriplegic. And it was it was just like a crazy traumatic thing for I think everyone at our school to see. Like he was a, an incredible competitive athlete in so many different things. And to like, maybe that's part of like the connection there. But anyway, so I, I just think about how like all the different parts of your spine connect to different parts of your body. Do you not think about your spine? Why would I? I mean, yes, you're not saying anything that's not true. Like, yeah, that, that <laughs> like, yes, that is true. But like, I don't think about my heartbeat either. Oh my God, really? I think about my heartbeat all the time. I have a little bit of arrhythmia, I think though. Um, so maybe that's why. You also think about a lot of things you don't need to think about. Definitely. And a lot of things you probably should think about, not thinking about. Don't them. think about, yeah. Anyways, my entire spine went numb from this anxiety attack. And I put myself in an Uber at three in the morning after calling my mom, being like, maybe needs any dick. Your poor mother. I know, my poor mother. She truly has texted me and been on FaceTime with me at ungodly hours of the night when I've been having anxiety attacks, bless her soul. Um, and so I put myself in an Uber and took myself to ER. Thank God that healthcare is free in Canada. We love that for me. I don't have health insurance there anymore, but at the time it was great. And I um, went to the, took myself to the ER just 
to make sure that everything was okay. But that was just like a moment where I was like, holy, you're, you're telling me that I got, I got nervous and anxious and my brain told my spine to just, just take a little break, just dip out peace. We don't need you right now. Obviously it didn't go anywhere, but like feeling wise gone. I had no spine, no vertebrae. They're just completely on vacation in, in Cabo. Like who knows? But it, it was, it was incredible i was like damn brain you really out here being powerful and shit um and then when did you find your spine again and then i found my spine a few hours later um honestly i'm surprised they didn't just like give me a xanax and send me home um but they did run some I mean, like when you say that my spine i it, it doesn't i can't feel my spine my spine is in cabo right. like i think anyone <laughs> be like uh no i went in being like very there's a real. word for this one yeah yeah i went in i went in being very transparent about exactly like what i thought had happened and i was like i had a very severe anxiety attack i did not have any like falling injuries like I can still wiggle everything, but they did do a solid amount of just like um, movement tests and stuff to make sure everything was okay. And even just like that level of care was enough for me to be like, okay, I'm fine. I can go home now. It's now six in the morning. Uh, thank God this was free and I can go back to bed. Mm -hmm. In America, that would've been the case. They'd been like, well, what's your insurance? Right. $6,000, young lady. <laughs> well, you got the copay, cash, okay. <laughs> oh my God, I don't even know what any of that means. Oh my God. So to uh, sum up that story, um, I've only been to Cabo once, but apparently my spine has been to Cabo twice. So I don't think that's the summary for this story. <laughs> Is that not the summary for the story? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I mean, this was uh, this was an honest, transparent, hopefully slightly eloquent conversation. I don't know if it's any of those things, but uh, we'll be back to Dick next week. Yeah, we're back to Dick. Regular Dick things next week. <laughs> I think we should do an episode on social media, like the different social media platforms. Like I, I have so much to say. I don't have much to say. I have lots to say. Okay. Um, so anyways, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I mean, this is, this is something that truly, uh, is such a massive part of my life. And now Jeremy's, um, <laughs> thanks babes. Appreciate Osmosis. your support. <laughs> but I mean, it's something that, uh, is so prevalent in my day-to-day -day life and probably will be for the rest of my life. And if you'd like to share, uh, a story that is similar in the comments, that'd be very, very insightful. I think it's really, really impactful when you see people that are interested in watching the same things as you that deal with similar struggles and just like how many people have something that's going on. Mm -hmm. I think we're very, it's very easy to look past or forget or not think about other people's struggles because we're too busy doing it their own. Yeah. But it's almost like, it's crazy to me when you think of like, oh, I'm a fan of this and I deal with this and just somebody else who's also a fan of the same content or team or league or, or whatever it is, like that struggles with being similar. Yeah. It's just, it feels enlightening. So let's use the internet for good. Right. And share a story if you're comfortable. I mean, genuinely, after the very first time that I shared uh, something about mental health and anxiety, reading the comments and hearing how well received it was and hearing the personal anecdotes that people had left was uh, like the stamp of was like the green light for me to be like, oh, my God, like this is uh, going to be a massive part of what I do on the Internet. Like it was so incredible to see such a positive community and conversation. Yeah, it, it's crazy that we think that no one would care about this, yet it's the things that are probably the most impactful or are determinant of like your future path. Totally, so yeah, for talking sure. Talking about it shouldn't be such a, it might not be as exciting as-, as uh, Dicks. Why isn't I, maybe we should stop just saying dicks. Maybe it's just like sex life and experience. Yeah, anyway, um, so back to dicks next week. Uh, <laughs> stop, drop, roll, rate the podcast, subscribe and follow. And uh, we'll be back next week for your, uh, your weekly uh, dick appointment. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> What's your podcast about, dicks? <laughs>
Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.